All right. So good evening again. It's good to be here with you all tonight. You can see the passages up on the screen, and we're going to flip around, or you can just listen to me read them all in a few minutes. But I also added Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. So we've got four texts for tonight. But the, t- the title of our t- uh, sermon tonight is The Christian Sabbath, Rest, Worship, and Delight. So I have a question for you. Have you ever been given a gift that maybe you necessarily didn't want and that you didn't know that you would eventually need? Think about it for a second. You may have found the gift odd or confusing. Maybe you searched and flipped it over and you looked for a return receipt or you looked in the bag hoping you could find one. And you even thought about asking the person who gave it to you uh, if they had the receipt so you could get whatever your heart desired. Maybe the gift sat in your shell, on a shelf or in your closet or in the attic collecting dust forgotten for years. And then having seen it again, after some time, you contemplated dropping it off at the Salvation Army and you'd cut your losses and simply move on from this gift. So you plan to go to the store one day, there came a new day, and you had a new want and a new need. And you plan to go to the store and buy whatever that item was that you had on your mind, and then you remembered that gift. It was the gift you'd set aside, the gift you initially didn't want or think you'd ever need, and you'd had it all along. And the gift then took on a whole new meaning in your life. I received a gift like that once, and it is this. This is my trusty toolbox. I love this toolbox. It's, I go to it every week. I received it on my 18th birthday from a deacon in our church. True story. At first, it sat unused. It went unnoticed, untapped of its great potential for many years, maybe even a decade, until one day when I needed tools and I needed somewhere to keep them. And then I remembered. That day came for me years down the road when, uh, after marrying Ashley, we bought our first house, and I decided that I'd rather learn how to do some things on my own than pay someone else how to do it. Over the years, I've grown to love this red toolbox. It's been with me for a long time. We've had many trials and triumphs, um, and I love it. My life would not be the same without it. At our old house and even at our new house, I go to it regularly for chores that need to be done. I'm finding out more and more the blessing that this toolbox that means nothing to you is to me. What I want you to hear tonight is this. The Christian Sabbath is a treasure given to God by God to all mankind. It's the gift that we all vitally need, but honestly, it's the gift that many of us don't think we need, um, and it's the gift that we don't often want. And if we do open our hands to receive it, we oftentimes want it on our terms. And I think our obedience or our lack of obedience on the Christian Sabbath is a good indicator of our spiritual health. How we view and practice the Sabbath reveals the condition of our hearts. The Sabbath reveals the depth of our love for God and for his church. And I think this is why so many of us squirm in our seats when the preacher even brings up the topic of the Christian Sabbath. My hope tonight is that we can begin to see the Sabbath as not so much a burden to bear, but it's a gift to receive. That we may begin to see it as a day to look forward to rather than a day to get past and to get through. My hope is that we might look for areas to improve on, whatever they may be, so that we can grow closer and to and deeper in our relationships with God and our relationship with God and fellow believers. That's my hope for tonight. So our passages tonight um, are on the screen, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, Mark 2, and Isaiah 58. And I'm going to try to see if I can find all these in my Bible. All right. So Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, 
Neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and he has made it holy. So now we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now on to uh, Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and, doing, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride and triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And finally, um, the words of Jesus in Mark 2, verse 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son, so the man, so the son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we come um, to think about the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, Lord, we pray that you teach us something new, um, that you'd show us our hearts, um, and that we would honor you on this day that you've given us, one day in seven, to honor you and to worship you and to find rest in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So it's the one sermon that everyone remembers, that everyone still talks about, and everyone felt different about. It was the sermon that created a buzz, not the one that I'm about to share with you, I hope, but the one that I heard when I was younger at the church that I grew up at in St. Louis. Our church was searching for a new pastor, and we got a guy to come, and he boldly and probably very unwisely decided to preach on the Christian Sabbath to a group of people that he would have nothing to do with after he finished, and he walked out. Uh-oh, grenade dropped. Some people were fired up and not in a good way. They felt some guilt going out to lunch that day after church, but they still went out as a protest. Stick it to the pastor. Others finally felt that they were affirmed in their strict obedience and nodded all the way through, thinking pretty highly of themselves for their strict obedience to the Lord's Day. You could almost see their judging eyes looking at the people across the room and thinking, oh, now you decide to show up. Everyone during the sermon was doing this, eyes back and forth, and everyone was thinking, is he really going there? What made the sermon so memorable to me was the preacher's over and over and over again refrain, God loves you, and he wants to spend time with you. God loves you. He wants to spend time with you. It startled me. It made me feel very uncomfortable as he joyfully shouted those words over and over again. God loves you. He wants to spend time with you. God loves you. He wants to spend time with you. God loves you. He wants to spend time with you. By the end of his sermon, he was almost singing and everyone was squirming in their seats. I've never forgotten those words, those words from that sermon. God loves us and he wants to spend time with us. That sermon was sweet for me, unlike it was for many others, um, and one I look back on with great gladness. And those words have stuck with me to this day as, I, as they've shaped how I think about the Christian Sabbath, which we call the Lord's Day. God loves us, and he wants to spend time with us, and he's given us this day, the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, as a holy day to spend with him and rest and worship. Many preachers have preached on the Sabbath, and few have made it out alive, and I hope to be making it out to the other side tonight. The reality is this, is that the Christian Sabbath is a loaded topic 
where there is a plethora of opinions and interpretations between various Christian denominations and even within denominations that they're of themselves. There's also a lot of confusion, and there's guilt, and there's self-righteousness all wrapped up in the topic. Most of us, we will quickly affirm God's laws about stealing, adultery, murder, and lying, but God's laws that deal with how we spend our money or how we spend our time are taboo because we don't like how they will drastically or how they may drastically change our lives if we actually put them into practice. Tonight, we will not deal so much with the prescriptions about what to follow on the Sabbath day, but we'll get at the heart of the Sabbath, the reasons that we should embrace it rather than reject it. Our failure to engage the practice of observing the Sabbath as God intended may be because we are acutely aware that we are weakly living below the standard expectations clearly laid out in God's word. Some of us may be strict Sabbatarians where we follow a long list of rules and restrictions on Sunday. Some of us may be loose Sabbatarians where we embrace worldly leisure and commerce, but we still are committed to corporate worship and maybe even personal worship on Sundays. And some may even say that the Sabbath law was nullified when Christ brought about the new covenant and Sabbath observance is no longer required for Christians as part of the moral law. That was a lot. And all of these views, the Sabbath, God's goals for the Sabbath as a spiritual discipline and weekly practice can be misunderstood and wrongly applied. It's important to remember the words of Jesus when he said that, he, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. These are confusing words, but let me try to simplify it for us. The Sabbath is a gift from God that is given for our good, and it is a much-needed help for you and for I. The Sabbath is not a burden or a set of rules to keep strictly and, to, to keep, uh, and strictly follow. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath is a day when we are refreshed spiritually and we're refreshed physically as God's people as we set our day apart to worship him. I mean, you literally could fill an entire seminary class on the topic of Sabbath because I've read all the books and there's lots of disagreement, but we've only got less than 20 minutes. And so there's a lot that's going to go unsaid. And so what I'm going to do before I get to the heart of the Sabbath is tell you what our church, the PCA, actually believes about the Sabbath. And it's summarized in our Confession of Faith in chapter 21. And then we'll get to the sweeter stuff how the Sabbath is the gift that every believer needs to unwrap and readily and regularly embrace practice and always look forward to and improve on in our lives. Our church believes that the Sabbath was first demonstrated and practiced by God after creation, Genesis 2, is a rhythm to be followed by all mankind, and it was commanded to be observed by God in the moral law, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. We believe that the Sabbath was from the creation of the world until the resurrection of Christ to be observed on the last day of the week, which is Saturday, Genesis 2. And from the resurrection of Christ, it was changed to the first day of the week, Sunday, John 20, um, Acts 20, and 1 Corinthians 16, which we also call the Lord's Day, Revelation 1. Additionally, our church, the PCA, believes that the Christian Sabbath is a holy and special day that has been set apart by God, Exodus 20 and Genesis 2 where we prepare our hearts and order, and order our common affairs before it actually arrives on Sunday, Exodus 16 and Nehemiah 13. And when it arrives, we observe a holy rest and we cease from our own works, words, and thoughts in regards to our worldly work and our vocations and recreations for the whole day. Isaiah 58, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. And the whole day is taken up in public and private exercises of worship and the duties of necessity and mercy. That's what I believe. That's what our church believes. But let's get to the sweet stuff. Tonight, I believe the Sabbath provides three rich gifts that you and I all need. The Sabbath provides the gift of rest. The Sabbath provides the gift of worship. And the Sabbath provides the gift of delight. 
So first, the Sabbath provides the gift of rest. I think we see this in three, three quick ways. Um, a gift of rest from work and recreation, a gift of rest in Christ, and a gift of longing for the future eternal rest. So first, the Sabbath is the gift of rest from work and recreation. I'm not sure about you, but it seems like many of us are exhausted. It doesn't matter what stage of life we are in or how old or how young we are. We are tired. We feel the weight and pressures of the world. We have FOMO. We have fear of missing out, and we're overscheduled. We're overworked, and we're overcommitted. We get involved in too much, and then we try to make it all happen. We sacrifice even good things to get it all done. We move on from one thing to another. Recreation is always calling, and it's always available, whether you play disc golf at Shelby Farms or you play real golf at the country club. In one of the books that I referenced for tonight, one author highlighted a study in 1990, almost 30 years ago, about how our culture is busier and more stressed out than ever. I don't think much has really changed. As people who are always on the go, at home and at play and in the work world, we are desperately in need of a break. We need a hard stop once a week from all the stuff, and that's what the Christian Sabbath is about. Stopping and ceasing and finding physical and spiritual rest in God. What's interesting is that the term used for rest in Genesis, when God rested on the seventh day, it really reflects that he stopped or that he ceased. He took a break when his work was finished. He rested. When I finished mowing our yard yesterday, I stopped I sat down and I rested on the patio, finding uh, gratification in the work that I just completed. When God finished all that he made, he stopped, he ceased, and he reflected on what he made and he said that it was good. In Exodus 20, we heard this earlier, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. We know from the psalm that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He He doesn't get tired like you or I do. But when he rested on the seventh day, he was modeling for humanity what every person who walks on this earth desperately needs, a break. When we remember the Sabbath day, we are to remember that just as God stopped and he ceased from his works of creation and he rested, that we need to stop, cease, and rest too, following his example. Interestingly, in Deuteronomy, when the moral law is repeated before God's people entered the promised land, a second reason is given for why God's people should observe and remember the Sabbath. God's people who were once slaves and who were overworked and they never got a break, they were to remember after their, diso- after their deliverance that they were rescued by the mighty and outstretched hand of the Lord from the harshness of slavery. And in response, the Sabbath was one day in seven to look back at all God had done for them and give him thanks and praise. In Deuteronomy 5, we read this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. That's what the Sabbath is about. It's remembering what God has done in creation and redemption and and observing uh, the Sabbath day by keeping it as a priority when distractions at work and play are always present. For you and me today, the Sabbath is a day to remember what God has done, to remember that he is the creator and he's the Lord and that he rested after creation. We are to remember that God's, God's wondrous deeds from the past, like how he rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, and even more for you and for me, the Sabbath day is a day to remember that we've been rescued by God's powerful and outstretched hand from slavery to sin and death. We've been set free through the work of Jesus on our behalf on the cross. The Sabbath day is a day to stop our work and, to play, or stop our work and play and remember and observe who God is and all that he's done. The Sabbath is also a gift where we find our rest in Christ. For those who've 
trusted in the gospel of Jesus, who've en- we've entered Jesus' rest. We have peace with God through the work of Jesus. In Colossians 1, Paul wrote, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. A more difficult passage that gets at this resting in Jesus is from Hebrews 4, and it's been interpreted lots of different ways. But this is what the preacher in Hebrews writes. For we who have believed have entered that rest. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. When we, come to defi- when we come to Jesus, you and I find true gospel rest, the true spiritual rest that every person desperately needs in this world. When we come to Jesus, our hearts are at peace because through faith in Christ, we have been made right with God. This kind of rest can be found now for all people who come to know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. For the Christian, Jesus is our rest. We all know this, but we regularly fail to live as if it is true because we chase after all kinds of things that we think will give us and our souls rest, but in reality, they're the things that exhaust us. Sabbath is a time to rest in the finished work of Jesus, that he has bought us peace with God through his cross. A professor wrote this, when we keep Sabbath by resting from our labors, we acknowledge that our life is sustained by God. We rest from our labors because we know that our hope is in the Lord, not in our labors. Sabbath rest also reflects our larger hope in the Lord for the sustenance of creation and for the completion of redemption. This leads to our third uh, point about how Jesus, how, how the Sabbath is, a, is the gift of rest. That the Sabbath is the gift of longing for eternal rest. This passage in Hebrews 4 also shows that there is a future eternal rest for the people of God. I don't know if you caught it. He said, he said this, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There's an already and not yet at play here. We've found our rest in Jesus. We have peace with God. But we're also striving for that glorious day when we will enter into the eternal rest with all of God's people in a world made new, free from the tar of sin and death. The Sabbath is the day when Christians long for that promised day that God has said is on the way, the day when Christ will return. We'll sing at the end of our service, but then there breaks yet a yet more glorious day when the saints triumphant rise in bright array. The King of glory passes on his way. Alleluia, alleluia. Sabbath is a time to long for the day to come when Jesus will return. So the Sabbath provides the gift of rest, but secondly, the Sabbath provides the gift of worship. Sabbath provides the gift of worship. We see this also in two ways, public and private. So first, um, public worship is the priority is a priority for believers on the Sabbath day. We see this over and over again throughout Scripture, and you may remember some of these passages from two weeks ago when Robert preached on corporate worship as a spiritual discipline. But Christians worship on the Christian Sabbath together. Mark 1 says this, On the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue, and he began to teach. In Luke 4, we hear this, that Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. In Acts 13, we hear this, that Paul and his companions on the Sabbath entered the synagogue, and they sat down, and after reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please come and speak. 
In Acts 15, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogue every Sabbath. And finally, Acts 20, on the first day of the week, we came, to, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. We're not going to do that tonight. God's people have always gathered on the Sabbath for public worship, and at a minimum, corporate worship needs to be a priority for anyone who professes faith in Christ on Sundays. To neglect the church is to neglect Jesus, the head of the church. After all, the Sabbath is not our day to go about our own heart's desire, doing what we want when we want. It's the Lord's day. It's one day set apart by God to worship him with his people. Why do we so often neglect to honor the Lord's day, the Lord on his day, by not participating in corporate worship? Conservative estimates say that the average Christian walks through the doors of the church two times a month. We often break, uh, we often break from church, often take a break from church because we want to experience rest through our travel or through our leisure, yet we're deceiving ourselves and thinking that those things are helping us, but in reality, those things oftentimes come at the expense of Christ and his church. Now, let me just get this out there. I have to be here on Sundays. Most of you don't. This is where I work. If I was in your shoes, I get it. I'd be tempted to sleep in or miss a few Sundays a year. I get it. But our commitment to attend or not attend corporate worship on the Lord's Day is an indicator of our spiritual health. God's people gather on his day to worship and to praise him together with one voice, which we heard about last week when we sing. We are spiritually fed by God through his preached word, through the sacraments, and through the prayers that are offered up in the name of Jesus. I often tell students who join the church as they reflect on the membership vow, which Sean talked about this morning in our worship service, um, where they make the vow, do they promise to support the church and its worship and its work to the best of their ability, that when they are not here on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, they are missing out. And if their parents aren't coming, they need to ask for a ride because I don't know a parent who wouldn't bring their kid to church on Sunday morning. There may be a few. But I also tell them this, that when they aren't here, we're missing out. They're part of the body. We've talked about that uh, over the course of these, this spiritual discipline topic. Corporate worship comes around one day in seven, and it's the body of Christ gathering together to praise and worship God for who he is and all that he's done. We need one another on the Lord's day. Uh, Adele Calhoun wrote that Sabbath is a time for people to remember what life is and who it is for. Participating in corporate worship at a minimum is how we should spend our Sabbath. You may be here for the second time today, and that's good too. The more the better. But we also should spend our Sabbath in private worship, which I think some, sometimes may be harder. It's easy to show up on Sunday mornings. It's harder to worship the Lord all the day. The Sabbath day should not be wasted on mindless entertainment after we get home from church, but we should seek an intentional day where we are fed corporately through worship with Christ's body of the church, and then we go out into the rest of our day seeking to continue our worship in our homes and in God's creation. Sabbaths can be spent reading and studying scripture, praying for our family, our friends, and our neighbors, going for a walk and enjoying God's creation, singing songs, sharing a meal with others, particularly the lonely, visiting the homebound, writing, sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. In reflecting on the Sabbath, one of the Puritans wrote that, this, that good Sabbaths make good Christians. And I think that there's some truth to that. So we've seen um, that the Sabbath provides um, the gift of rest. It also provides the gift of worship. But finally, the Sabbath provides a time to delight. 
The only way the Sabbath will be seen as a gift is if you realize how much God really delights in you. I think most of us are not intentional in Sabbath as a a discipline because we fail to daily remember God's great and deep love for us. Remember the sermon that I mentioned before? The sermon, grenade tossed. People got strung up on all the what we should do and what we shouldn't do, do's, and there were a lot of those. But my takeaway from that sermon was what I think is the most important principle of the Sabbath, that God loves us and he wants to spend time with us because he delights in us. That's what the Sabbath is about. And think about this assortment of passages. I'm going to give you the, the two John 3.16. So the, the first John, John not, not, not the first John. I'm going to give you the John 3.16 and then the first John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The other John 3.16, first John 3.16 says this. By this we know love that Jesus laid down his life for us. In Exodus 34, we hear the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In 1 John 4, we hear that we love God because he first loved us. In the passage that many of us think of as we think about God's delight, Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is with you, a mighty one who will save. He will take great delight in you. and his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. The truth of the matter is this is that if your faith is in Christ, God delights in you. And the Sabbath day is a day to rest in the full love of God, finding the spiritual rest that all of our souls are deeply craving as we let him embrace us on this day, the Christian Sabbath. And it's only when we realize that we have the full delight of God and that we have been forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future, that the Sabbath day will begin to be a day in a spiritual discipline where we, that we see as, much needed, as a much-needed gift rather than a heavy burden to actually bear. Spiritual disciplines require us, require us to put in the work if we want to see any results. We need to put in the time, and we need to put some things off if we want to see the fruit that the Sabbath promises. When we understand that God delights in us, our response is going to be what? That we will delight in him on the Christian Sabbath. That's what Isaiah 58 was getting at, and that was, that's a beautiful passage. I haven't, I've missed that, and as I was thinking about this week, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 58. If, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Those word, that, that phrase, if you keep your feet from breaking, is a really interesting phrase. Sabbath requires thoughtful and intentional discipline, and one must watch where or what he or she does with their time on Sundays, what they walk themselves into, so to speak. Where are your feet leading you on Sundays, on the Lord's Sabbath? Are they leading you to God who delights in you, or are they leading you to other worldly things that compete for your attention and time? Christians call the Sabbath a delight because we get to delight in the God who delights in us. If we keep our feet from breaking the Sabbath, we will find our joy in walking with the Lord who delights in us. So tonight, in summary, we've seen that the Sabbath provides the gift of spiritual and physical rest from recreation and vocation. We've seen that the Sabbath provides the gift of worship in public and private. 
We've also seen how the Sabbath provides a time for delight, God's delight in us and our delight in him. Dorothy Bass, who wrote a great book on spiritual disciplines, writes a great summary on the Sabbath, and this is what she wrote. Rest and worship, one day a week, not much in a sense, but a good beginning. One day to resist the tyranny of too much or too little work and to celebrate with God and others, remembering thereby who we really are and what is really important. One day that, week after week, anchors a way of life that makes a difference every single day. Did I make it out alive? I hope so. My goal tonight was not so much to bring a list of to-dos and don't-dos, but to tell you that the Christian Sabbath is God's good gift to his world. And when we embrace it rather than resist it, we truly remember who we really are and what really is the most important. Don't, don't let the gift sit unused in the closet or in the attic for years. Like this thing. Embrace it and receive it. It's the gift that we all desperately need, but many of us don't really think we want, that, we, that we want. It's the gift that is much needed in our world and our church and rarely fully utilized, untapped, and full of gospel potential. When you think about the Christian Sabbath, remember, God loves you. He wants to spend time with you because he delights in you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, um, we are thankful for this day that we could gather together as your people um, to close out this Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day. Father, thank you for speaking to us from your word. Lord, we pray that as we think about this, this spiritual discipline of Sabbath, that we would all look for areas to improve, that we might um, not find our comfort in the rules that we follow or the things that we do, but that we might find our comfort and rest in you. We've gathered together to worship and praise you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Y'all please stand and we'll sing on Jordan's Stormy Banks.
Stretch out your hands and hear this blessing from the Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, fellowship, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in the peace of Christ.